Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Tonight's episode uh, was prompted by a pitch from a Quest On contributor, uh, an old friend of ours, Silvano Pontonieri. A lot of people know him. He was a New America Media contributor. Uh, his father was a longtime New America Media contributor. Uh, he's a young writer, youngish, you know, in his early 20s, living in Germany. Uh, he's been wanting to contribute to the site for a while. And the idea that came to him, uh, he presented to me on a phone call the other week because he was just like, whatever, doing what you do, scrolling through Instagram. Uh, and saw like a post from his sister. Silvano has eight brothers and sisters, by the way. I don't know how many people who know about Silvano know that he has eight brothers and sisters. It really helps to understand like his personality. I'll let him speak to that on a later date. Uh, but one of his younger sisters is like, they're all very, you know, it's, it's like a very like smart, talented, gifted family. You know, like Silvano was a fencer and, you know, a boy scout and, you know, his sister's a musician. They're like interesting people, right? They're like uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, so he's looking at, <laughs> that's my comparison. Uh, so he was looking at his sister's Instagram post, which was about, you know, she's younger than him. So, you know, early twenties, probably old enough to drink, but like just out of college. Um, and she was talking about like, yo, it doesn't matter like how many jobs I have or how much money I may or like whatever access I have to the economy. It's like, I'm always struggling. Like the grind and the hustle like never ends. I'm never able to like live where I want to live. I'm never like not broke. This is like paycheck to paycheck. Um, and this triggered in Silvano. He's like, yo, that's true. You know, because Silvano is from the Bay Area. He grew up in San Francisco, moved to the East Bay with his family, but came back to San Francisco. He, he only moved to Germany in the past year. And he realized, I mean, at the time he made the move because he was looking, you know, for adventure, the way a lot of young people are looking for a change. But when he saw um, this post from his sister, he, he realized like that was the reason he was leaving. Because when he was living in San Francisco, you know, he was working as a bike mechanic and doing like deliveries. He had like a bunch of different jobs. And he's, you know, a lot of it is skilled labor and he was making good money, but he was like always struggling, like always um, you know, just like a little bit behind on rent or like, all, like can't eat out for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like got to use the groceries at the house. It just felt like a constant grind struggle that kind of wasn't worth it. And that's changed since he's been in Germany. And the piece that he's been working on is trying to reconcile those two things. It's not like Germany or, or European Union countries are the answer to the economic woes of the United States. It's not a policy piece or a political piece, but it is, it's his experience, which I think speaks to a lot of young people's experience um, who are having frustrations in the economy, especially people who live in places where everybody wants to live, like the Bay Area or New York City or increasingly pretty much any large city in the country. You just can't, you know, what do we like to say? The rent is too damn high. That's the phrase that we use around here. So, you know, Silvano's piece, he's, he's working on his revision now. We wanted him to join us tonight. He wasn't able to, uh, partly because of time differences. Uh, you know, it's like six in the morning or something uh, for him now in Germany. But that piece, I think, is still a good jumping off point for us to have a conversation, which in some ways is a national conversation. This is not news, right, that like young people are uh, frustrated because they're doing what you're supposed to do, right? Like whenever you go to college, you get a job, um, but you still can't make it. You still can't afford rent. You still can't buy property. You still can't a lot, you know, the, the standard, the quality of, of life and the quality of living, you know, as they say, this is the first generation where it's 
decreased from one to the next. And it, it leads to a lot of unfair criticisms of this generation of young people where it's like, oh, why aren't these people getting married? Why aren't they having kids? Why aren't they buying yachts? You know, as if they didn't want to buy yachts or have children, you know, as if it weren't an economic question. So, you know, in the grand tradition of Queston Media, New America Media, um, you know, it doesn't make sense for a lot of old people to speculate about why young people feel a certain way or what their experiences are. We wanted to bring some young folks on the show today uh, to try and unpack this a little bit, just experience based. You know, we don't have to dig too deep into policy or, or economics. Um, so let me welcome our guest today. Amelia Gonzalez is here, old friend of the show. And for the first time, I'm very excited to welcome Katiba Ololefi, uh, who is, a, you know, we were talking before the show. We'll see how this goes today. We have an idea to do a spinoff uh, show that's just me and Katiba, uh, which already somehow uh, is, is frustrating for Emi. Uh, but with us, of course, as always, uh, our fearless leader, the woman behind the curtain who keeps us sounding good, Eming Piancai. Uh I'll start with you, Katiba. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly because I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this. I'll leave it open, uh, but I am curious. Does this resonate? Like, is Silvano's experience and what he's observing with his sister, that kind of struggle, does that sound right in your ear? Does that match with your experience? Yeah, I think he put it, like, yeah, like, really well thought out because um, I'm a senior now and I'm applying to jobs. And so when I look at jobs and I look at salary expectations, obviously – all of us want to make money, right? But wanting to work in like the social sector means you get, what, 40, 50K. And I just know that's just not going to be enough. And it's frustrating because higher paying jobs require this like master's degree and everything. And so it feels like you're consistently like fighting and fighting and fighting. And then, and then it's just like this whole millennials being broke thing is so true. And I'm, it's frustrating because they blame us for everything. Yeah. <laughs> With RS is the reason... Like we took that down. <laughs> um, what else? JC Penny not doing so well because of us, and it's like, I'm sorry. Like, pay me better. I don't know what to say. Um, and so yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying in the intro. Is like the assumption is like, oh, I guess young people just want to be broke. You're like, of course not. Yeah, does not rest on your shoulders, right? The young people, yeah, are exactly. Aspirational as any other generation. Yeah, it's and like, so like after college, like. Like, I'm lucky, like, I'll be living in with family. So that's, I got lucky in that sense. But I can't even imagine, like, living, you know, and having to pay rent because that's going to be one-third or one-fourth or maybe two-fourths of my income. And, like, that's frustrating because the whole thing is, like, you should save and you should save for retirement and you should save for your, your master's program and you should save all this money. But it's, like, increasingly difficult to do that. So I've been in college four years now and it's, I, I can't save. That's ridiculous. And you, you can't do that. And then I have loans after. So it's yeah. just, it's beyond infuriating because um, the job market doesn't pay a whole lot. That's one. Right. Yeah. And so you have to not settle, but just take what you can get. Um, and they tell you like, don't try to negotiate as if you can get like a lot more, but I don't know. I'm some someone who wants to go into tech. They pay good money, but they can pay a lot more because you, they can extract so much value from you, but that's just another right. thing in general, right? So no, I think that relates too. I think yeah, that relates. A lot of this like has insane. to do with exploitation like, of labor. Right. You have like billion dollar ideas and you don't even get 
a really good cut from it. Like it's insane. But and then you're told, you know, you should work and love what you do. And it's like, I, I don't know how, how long I want to feel broke for. Like 20 is fine, but like, is it? <laughs> I know, you know what I mean? Like 20 and like a college degree. Like, should I feel broke for like four to five more years? And it's just beyond insane because um, ideally I want to like buy a home one day, but um, I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> for a long time. And like my friends and I joke about it. We're like, we're never buying homes at this rate. We're never going to buy homes. Help me out with a little bit of background, just like where are you living, where are you going to school, how old are you, what are you studying, like just so we have the framework of like what your options might be and, and what, For sure. what you have to look forward to. So I go to UC Berkeley. I'm studying development studies, which is like development of countries. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I graduate this May. So I'm like looking for jobs and like going through that. And it's like, I mean, I'm in a position where like I can just, you know, live with family, live rent free. I'm good. But my peers who are staying, oh my God, like they're going to be sharing a room for so many years because Berkeley rent is insane. A lot of them want to work in SF, so that means commuting. It's just this concept of like living in the city is not a real thing anymore. Or if you do live in the city, you're in a triple. And like, no one wants to be in a triple and you're, when you're 22, 23. That's What's a triple? Like a room with three other, like two other people. So it's a triple yeah. Not an apartment with two other people, a room. No, no, a room, yeah. So, Which apparently is so common that it has its own name, a trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have doubles and we have quads and it's like you're living in a dorm room at 20-something. Like that's, I mean, there's a face for that and it shouldn't be in your 20s unless you... Well, I'm that. interested, you know, you mentioned that you have an option to live with your family and you're very grateful for that. And in a lot of ways that's true, right? Not everybody has that option, but... Mm-hmm. It's also not something traditionally that people do, right? It is like a yeah, personal sacrifice that you're making. Right. You know, I don't know if it's like a decision, like maybe you would have been living with your family even if you had money or whatever. But like that is part of the conversation too. For a long time, you know, the previous generation was like, oh my God, my kids are coming to live with me. Like what's wrong with them? It's like, there's nothing right. wrong with them. Nobody wants to live with their parents. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it's like- Even if you like your option. parents. It's a default you know option. Like a lot yeah. of us are like, that's just what we have to do. So some of my friends are looking at jobs like near their hometown because they're like, I, I can't like, because knowing that like three fourths of your income might go to rent. Like what? Like, I don't know. I think we like blood, sweat and tears, you know, in college. So isn't life supposed to be easier after? No. So it's just, Uh, well, I don't know. (laughs) I, I didn't graduate. I didn't graduate from college until I was thirty-five years old. So right, but they always would be like, get your degree, and then like so many opportunities to come away. You can live on your like this whole. I mean, here's the you know? thing. Like what, and this is w- what I believe. Uh, that's true, right? Like having a a bachelor's degree uh, does afford you a lot more opportunities, right? but it's still not enough for you to support yourself, right? Like no, exactly. and you have to imagine what is it like for people who don't get a degree from Berkeley, right? What is it yeah. like for a person who has a high school diploma or a GED yeah. or an associates from a community college? It's like, if your options are so limited as, you know, the child genius that you are who just graduated <laughs> from Berkeley, right? Like the uh, different people have different circumstances, right? And And we get, you know, that example gets held up to us as like, you know, be exceptional, right? Like yeah. Berkeley, Berkeley is an excellent school, right? You're obviously a very motivated person. Uh, but even that's not enough, right? And you yeah. have to think about people who are living further out on the margins who don't, who haven't even achieved that level. Yeah. And it's like, 
uh, for my peers who didn't end up going to college or for whatever reason that may be, it's like this hustle. Like I understand it's one thing to hustle, but if it becomes like, I don't know, like this, this unending hustle, like that's what is so frustrating because I'll have a friend who like works at a restaurant, then does DoorDash and then their free time does Lyft and Uber and and then like on the weekends does some like I don't know, uh maybe some like jobs for like events and it's like and still they're just stuck in this cycle and it's like wake up, go to work, you're ex- you can't save money. That's what's beyond frustrating. Um interest rates are worse for if you don't have like good credit, right? And so this is a vicious cycle, you're getting screwed over and over and over again. And if you don't have that like I don't know, family wealth behind you. I mean, and then we tell ourselves like, we just have to struggle and like this, the hustle. And it's like, when it has become normal, like this is normal life where we can't, I don't know, move in a trajectory that makes sense. I'm curious how it's affected, uh, you know, some of your career choices or career decisions. You mentioned in the beginning that you're interested in social service. Is that right? Or or doing that? And social impact work. Yeah. Okay. So if you're doing social impact, so like, do you mean tech and social impact where they intersect? Yeah. Or, or like nonprofit work. It really hits okay. in the air. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So are you, none of us do. So are you then uh, like making decisions based on, you know, being able to pay rent? Is it like you would rather do something that makes, that uh, has more to do with social development, but you know, mm-hmm. you, you take a job in tech because that'll give you more options or give you more money. Yeah, it's also like, um, because, you know, wherever you work, you obviously want a name brand company so that you can you know, flex it when you need to and move up wherever you need to go. Um, but at the same time, I do know that I make decisions based on the salary, for sure. Um, there are some amazing jobs and the description sounds great, but I'm like, you're only paying me 30000 I I can't do that. Like, I, I just, I can't. And And it's like, I would, and it's like, this is the perfect time to do this work. If I wasn't constrained by so many other things, I want to be able, like, I, I could possibly do a 30K, you know, job when I'm, like, retired and I'm bored or I have, like, you know, money saved up. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. later on when this is, like, feasible. But right now, that's not. So, I, I skip those ones aside. I'm, like, if I if it doesn't have more than 50, I, it's just not feasible because also just coming from my background, I come from a collective culture. Like, you don't work for you. What you make is not for you. It's It's for everyone. It's for people back home. It's for your siblings. It's for, it's not like my friends are like, oh, you're going to save a lot of money and like rent and like food. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going to go to things that matter. So, and yeah. maybe it's also like in my culture, we don't really have a, I, this concept of saving either. You just kind of like, God always has your back. So like, that's another level. That's another dynamic. So a lot of like brown folks like me, were just kind of like, yeah, no, like your money's already divided before you even get it. And it's right. fine, but that's why we can't go for lower paying things. And that's why like trying to be in the Bay Area, if you, you know, you have to sacrifice, you have to live in a triple for maybe three to four years. And it's just frustrating because I think we we imagined life after college where we're financially independent. Like what do what, what my friends say? We're like, I can't wait till I, I can go and order a coffee that I look in my bank account. And it's like, maybe it's gonna we have to wait like maybe a few more years after that and that's frustrating because we live in like near silicon valley like they're making billions are you kidding me so i you know i don't know <laughs> i'm curious about your point i mean i i there's two things i want to talk about one 
I wonder how much of this has to do with geography, right? Like the fact that you're living in the Bay Area um, and so many of these regions in the United States become desirable. The Bay Area is kind of an extreme example, but it's true in other places, whatever, Seattle, Austin, places where interesting things are happening, where young people would want to go to work in different sectors are just prohibitively expensive. Um, I mean, I read a little bit recently about you know, U.S. News and World Report, like most desirable places to live. And they prorate it based on like cost of living and work. And all of the cities in the top 10 were like places, not that, you know, not to disparage any other places, but they were like cities in uh, like rural places. You know, yeah. they were like, uh, like, oh, go to, you know, go to Des Moines, Iowa. And like they have like there's an <laughs> opera house there and you can own a home for, yeah. you know, $50,000 and there's a university there, you know, and it's like, as a metric, it makes sense, right? But it sounds like it's pretty far removed, right? It would be funny for like a person from California or something to, to move to Iowa, right? It's usually sure. the opposite. So at what point, I mean, do you have any friends or have you ever considered like, you know what, it's too crazy trying to live in the Bay Area? Like, you know, what if we were to try this somewhere else? Oh, that's hard. Just because I know that there's just so many opportunities here. Like, I'm in a boot camp right now with startups and it's like, can I, it would hurt so much to leave this bubble of like creativity and passionate individuals and opportunities. And so I think we'll, I don't know. I think it's, so you know how they said like you, like a long time ago, they were like, you should get married by 23 and have your life together, all these things. Right. But now it's like, you're telling yourself, ah, I can get married later because I want to pursue, I want to chase after this dream and, and, do all these cool things because it's here. You know, I, I, I think it's like, you don't want to return and be like, Oh, I, I tried Iowa and didn't really get far. I have a home now, but like, you know, it's like you tell yourself, Oh, I'll suffer for some, a little bit more. And so I, I don't think a lot of us, I think it would be the last, last resort. So let's say my family was cool with me going to Iowa. Oh, I just, I don't know. I, I think it would stunt my growth in some way. Just because yeah, well, so also, far away, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's the question of home, right? I mean, yeah. for your it's for a lot of people, it's like that's where you're from. Yeah. Uh let me pause really quickly to welcome Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Woo-woo, hey. How are you? Yeah, um, just so, home. so just first of all, uh you guys are you eating spaghetti? Okay. <laughs> I am. It's not a bus, dude. It's not a bus. <laughs> it's I was we, on- thought, <laughs> we thought maybe you'd be on the bus. I was on the bus and then I and then I ran. Oh, you mean like just now you thought I'd be on the bus and I was joining? I thought maybe you'd call. You've called from the bus. So let me let me put you on the spot, Amelia, because uh, Katiba and I have been talking for a while about our subject tonight, which is you know the cost of living and difficulties uh, mm. for young people making it work. You know, so it's not just rent; it's also like how much do jobs pay and. Where are you trying to live? Do you want to be in a place like New York City or in the Bay Area? Is it worth it to make the kind of sacrifices it takes to live there? And also the real steep decline in like quality of living and opportunity for this generation from the previous generation, Mm. Um, which, you know, there are a lot of numbers out there. And then, you know, Katiba and I did speak a little bit also about how young people now, I think, are universally and unfairly maligned. You know, it's like, what's wrong with young people? Her examples were like, you know, they get blamed for everything. Like it's young people's fault that JC Penney's gone. You know, it's like, why don't young people want to buy houses? Like forgetting of course that like, obviously young people want to buy houses. It's just like not an economic reality for them. So, um, 
I know that you finished school recently and you're starting a new job and you're in like a transition period, but like give us a little bit of overview, just like your age and where you're living and what your situation is with school and work and stuff like that. My whole life. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, <laughs> it's just like your work, your life. Where are you? Um, I live with my mom, y'all, yeah. because I live in New York city and I'm a, like, you know, recent college graduate, there's no way I could afford to live in New York City. I mean, just period. Like, it's, it's not even like I don't work hard enough or I didn't like, you know, like bust my ass in college or like that I don't have a resume. It's like sincerely for the fact that like I just would not be able to afford living. Um, and I honestly would be in the same situation. I mean, I'm kind of still living in a closet. It's not like I'm like, I live with my mother in New York. I have a luxurious like <laughs> apartment. <laughs> I mean, I live in definitely what was once a closet, but I feel like I can literally close the door with my foot. Like that is how, like that's how big my, my room is. But, but, um, I mean, even if I was in New York and I had to like figure it out myself, I would, I also live with my other sister too. So it's, we both live with our mom. Um, but I feel how like, it, how old is your sister? She, I mean, she's like 38. Yeah. So like we, like we all live together, but I mean, we, we enjoy it, but like, even if I was in New York or try to make it in New York, I would still have to live in an apartment with roommates, like r- regardless of the situation. It's not like, I'm like, I, you know, I'm living with my mom, Ugh, New York, close quarters, you know, like that would happen regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like money and like, you know, so like affordability, I mean, this is like not a reality, like period. It's like most people live paycheck to paycheck. That's why this like government shutdown, just everything is so terrifying because the reality of things is like, if, especially, you know, in New York, especially in the Bay Area, where like, it's totally not affordable anymore. Yeah. Um, if you don't, like, get that paycheck, or like, even from or have a, you know, a job or, for, for example, my friend, she recently was, um, uh, like, fired, basically, from her job. And when she like applied for unemployment, I think she got like, maybe like 260 a week. Like 200 and she lives in New York city. Like, are you kidding me? That is yeah. not like, I'm sure I'm pretty sure that's like someone's allowance somewhere. Like, you know, like that, like, like they, cause they mowed the lawn or something. I don't know. But yeah. like that to me, it's just like, yeah, it's really remarkable. And you know, also there's this like major stigma toward living with your family or like living with your parents, which like, I don't understand. I, I really think that's limited to this country because I actually like, I was watching um, a Buzzfeed article on Instagram, <laughs> watching a Buzzfeed article on Instagram does not make sense as a sentence. You aren't alone in that. It's fine. <laughs> but, 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 um, but so I saw this like video that they had where it's like this uh, four generations challenge where yeah it's so encouraging if you want to be encouraged or like cry watch it but um like basically like four generations of like a you know family will um like they'll call to each other and they'll come out so it'll be like the little kid and then they'll be like ma and then the mom will come out and then their mom would be like ma and then their mom came out and then that mom would be like ma and then that mom is just like the great great grandmother it's just so amazing i was like wow they if that 
that's so um, wonderful. And like, I don't see that happening here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, even in well, like- I, mean, I would, I would only say this, like stigma aside, right. I don't think that there's any reason that there should be a stigma about living with your parents personally. Uh, and right. I agree that it's cultural, you know, uh, that most places in the world, people live with their parents or in multi-generational households. However, nothing wrong with living with your mom, but if it were possible, you know, fewer people would probably do it, yourself included. And the only other point I would make is this, this is new, right? Like the idea, like I, I understand that the reality is like, oh, it's so expensive in New York City that it's like as a young person, it's like you have, you know, limited options. But that that is a that is a shift. That's a recent the development. I think previous generations, you go to college, you get your first job in the city, whatever, you get an apartment. It's not going to be fancy and beautiful, but like the expectation is that like you will be making enough money from your first job out of college that you will be able to live on your own or maybe whatever, like with a roommate or something. So the idea that so many people, you know, are just have to kind of accept the reality and Katiba, you said the same thing. You're like, Oh, I'm lucky. Cause I yeah. can go back and live with my parents and that's true that you are lucky. And again, like there's nothing wrong with that. And, yeah. but it is different. Uh, and it's, it's a departure from the expectation of, you know, college graduates from previous generations is the only point I wanted to make. And much of it I do think has to do with cost of living and most of it, much of it has to do with, you know, um, living in desirable areas, I, I do want to revisit this topic with you, Katiba, briefly, because I think it relates, and we won't get too lost in the weeds on it, um, the point about labor and profit sharing. And, you know, I think people would say, obviously, income inequality has a lot to do with this. Like in, in New York City, a lot of the discussion about like why it's so expensive to live here is because so much, even though we have a lot of new housing, right? Like the problem in San Francisco is like, they don't want to build new apartment units, right? It's like, we don't want to... Manhattanize our skyline, like San Francisco, and I'm from San Francisco, so I can say this: we're so precious about everything, especially our architecture. That like we don't want to build new buildings for people to live in, right? So that means that more people get displaced. New York has no qualms about making new giant ugly skyscrapers for people to live in. They'll build one every week. But what ends up happening is that the units that are there are used as commodities, right? So it's like wealthy, either international companies or individuals will just like buy an apartment unit in one of these luxury apartments that's unoccupied most of the year, just, you know, as a way of having, it's an asset, you know? Um, And so that's the kind of like bigger picture, you know, we don't have to go like fully down this rabbit hole, but you mentioned earlier about like how much money tech companies are making, like, even if you can make money in tech, because a lot of people do, it's still not commensurate with the amount of money that these big companies are making. So can you talk a little bit more about that just as a person who's looking for a job in that sector? Yeah. So um, when <laughs> I was applying and whatnot, um, you know, it was like, yeah, working tech, like, you you know, they pay you really well. They got great benefits. And you, I mean, you're... You're working with technology and you get to create all these cool things. Um, but then you realize, oh my God, this company is worth 40, 50 million. They got some great venture capitalists coming through and they're securing all these deals. They work you 80 hours, 90 hours a week. Uh, and they, they like it when it's like young, fresh grads like myself, like single, unmarried, like no children. Yeah. Um, because then you're just like loyal to the job, right? You're like so excited. And, um, and then when I was telling a friend, I was like, yeah, I love startups. I have snacks and it's fun. Yeah. And then they're like, 
yeah, the snacks are great, but like you're working until nine. Like yeah. I, you know, I was working at this place and it's like, it was during Valentine's day and like people were still in the office. I was like, go do something like <laughs> enjoy yourselves. Like I don't understand, but like yeah. you get told like, Oh, we, you know, we'll, we'll get you a free Uber ride and we'll, you know, buy you snacks and catered food. And it's like, you think they're really taking care of you, but the value that you bring is so much more. And, and you think you're being cared for by the fact that you're one allowed in the space. Right. Um, and two, you know, getting recognized for your talents and three, um, you know, getting paid, whatever it is. Right. Cause it's, it's nice and it's lofty and, and you feel like you're brilliant and you're seen as someone who's like genius, but like, you're still getting screwed over. Right. Um, and so I don't know, it's just so frustrating because, you know, like the partner's like, yeah, we just secured a $10 million meal uh, deal. I mean, and I'm like, can I see some of that? Yeah. Like, I know you have that kind of money. Like, don't give me free dinner then. I don't care. Like pay yeah. me more so that I can maybe move to the San Francisco Bay area, like at least San Francisco. So I can just like walk to work, but that's just like unheard of, yeah. you know? And it's just beyond frustrating. So it takes commute time and I don't know. I mean, the free meal, you know, I years and years ago, like during the first kind of like dot com bubble in the late 90s, I worked for what was one of the first tech uh, industry magazines. Right. Yeah. Uh, doesn't exist anymore, of course, because nothing from the late 90s exists anymore, <laughs> especially if it's about the Internet. <laughs> but they had a lot of really talented people there, right? Because it was this sudden growth industry. They were like, we need someone to cover this. Like no journalist knew about tech or like knew how to write about it, you know? Yeah. So they just went and got all the best business writers from all the newspapers in the country and just like offered them a bunch, not really a bunch of money because they were journalists. So they weren't working, working, making that much money. They just gave them a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, round the clock stuff. So the hours there were, were similar. You know, I wouldn't say 80 hours a week, but at least 60, 60 minimum. If you're not working 60, like you're not a good employee. And I, just like you, I was very easily seduced. I was like, Oh my God, pinball machines, riding (laughs) scooters around. There's a ping pong. And like, um, there was like basically like the equivalent of a store, right? You could just like walk into a room and had all the things that a store would have like a rack full of chips and like a fridge that had like a bunch of drinks in it. And you could just like go in there and take whatever you want. And they would have meals and they would have like rooftop parties in the evening and stuff like that. And I thought, this is it. I've made it. Right. I was like, whatever, 19 years old, you know, they folded like less than a year later, blah, blah, blah. We all know, we all know how that story ends, but I was, I had stars in my eyes and I was talking to one of my coworkers who was a very, you know, like an experienced grizzled older, like business journalist, probably, I don't know, in her forties or fifties, you know? Uh, And I was like, isn't this great that we get free food? She's like, that's a very cheap way to get people to work an extra 50% a day. Yeah. You know, she's like, think about like, these are nice meals, you know, like, let's say maybe this is like a $20 meal, but you know, $20, essentially you're getting people to work for an extra four hours, right? It's $5 an hour of labor, right? It took like an older experienced person to like break this down in my face and not have stars in my eyes. But I imagine that a lot of other people have had a similar experience. We're like, wow, they treat us so good. Uber rides. It's like, no, what you're getting is twice the labor for almost nothing. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, and I think, I mean, there, there are a lot of examples of that, but I'm very interested in hearing about 
the discrepancy and the demands of working in tech. Because I think as a person who's like a San Francisco native, most of what I hear from other San Francisco natives is like really intense resentment of people who work in tech. And there's just like a lot of stereotypes about like, oh, they're rich and they're taking over our city and whatever. And I, I think that like that's a comfortable narrative for us to fall into or just like blame people. The same way we blame millennials, like, oh, let's blame people who work in tech, you know. But there's a lot of like discrepancy going on there as well, right? If you're like people have to make the sacrifice where you're living in a triple, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you're working 80 hours a week and right. like your commute is like two hours each way. Um, I I haven't heard much. I don't know if other people have uh, about like the actual income inequality uh, it, within Silicon Valley, like what an actual like programmer makes versus like what a founder is making at the same right. time. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a profound point. That might even be another show. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah. that could be the first Katiba and Russell show. <laughs> I mean, watch out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just like, I mean, you'll be in a startup and then they, you know, they pay you little in the first year when you develop something, right? And it's like, come on, it's the first year. Like, we're on the ground, you know, we're hustling. And this company makes millions and then it's just like, am I going to get a cut or um in the boot camp they were talking about oh yeah we got stock options and then when it sold we got hella money and then we lost it and i'm like ah, yeah what is going on and it's just like oh my god i can't even imagine so when you hear about jeff bezos what is he it's like you might only you might only have 70 billion i was like can we just discuss that for like a second <laughs> man has 70 billion you'll never run yeah. through that in your life i don't understand how that's a, first of all how that came to be as someone who wants to get into startups, but like, like I don't understand. Like, it's just beyond frustrating. And then, and then, and then you just keep hearing all these disparaging, or seeing these disparaging articles about how we ruin everything. And it's like, especially the one about us not having enough children. I'm like, fam, I can barely feed myself. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. lattes are like almost eight dollars. Like, I'm just not gonna. Guess I'm not drinking coffee now. Like, I guess yeah. I won't. <laughs> um, Russell, did I tell you that Min's mom offered to pay me to have a kid? I'm like, wow. I'm like, no. Well, what what kind of money are we talking? I don't know. Here? She didn't you know, say. She like we were walking into a Target. You could make this work in your favor. She like grabbed my arm really hard, and I couldn't like get out of it. And she was like, "Oh, I will, I will uh, pay you and 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 watch the baby." And I'm just like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, I'm good. No, wild. Oh my goodness. I would have had some follow-up questions like, well, what kind of money are we talking about? How often are you going to watch the kid? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can make a contract out of it. You can make this work in your favor, you know? I'm big here right there. <laughs> I, I think, and I know lots of people where that has come into play um, in the decision about whether to have kids or not. It's just like, basically, essentially what you're saying, Katiba, even people who are older, right? Like, I have a lot of friends who are you know, like women in their thirties who are like, you know, really having to make that decision about whether they're going to have kids or not. And the main thing that's stopping them at that point is just like, you know, financial stability is so hard to achieve. You know? sure, yeah. uh, and I'm tired of blaming young people for, I don't even like the word millennial. It's so ridiculous. Every time I say it, I feel stupid. I feel like a stupid person. Should we just saying, rename it and call it something else? No, see that half the time, need- I'm not sure if I, who is a millennial exactly? Isn't it? Is it like those who are? Like it's from, it's from like twenty six, eighty. If you're born from eighty till the, is it early nineties or I don't know something to like. See, that. I, I mean, it's got to be late nineties because, like, think about it. If you're a kid, if you're born in two thousand, then you're 
18 years old now, 19 if if you're born in January. That's crazy. <laughs> I think I, it's just like basically millennial is the catch-all phrase for just like old people who are just like, I don't, young people, I don't understand young people and I want to blame them for what's going on in society. <laughs> like that's the, that's the only thing that millennial triggers. And whenever I hear young people like self-identify as millennial, I'm like, well, I'm a millennial. I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> don't self-identify. Like, don't fall into the trap. <laughs> no it's labels. Scared-loaded. No labels. No, I only identify when I'm talking about how broke I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a broke millennial. <laughs> Just be real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought about this recently also because um, I don't know if you guys have watched either of these documentaries about the fire festival or have heard about them do you guys know about this the fire festival documentary like people got scammed or whatever right yeah yeah i mean the fire festival was just like a thing that happened that a a bunch of people got scammed for a concert that never actually happened and they got stranded on this island you know pretty horrible experience for them and then so there are two documentaries that came out the reason it's been a story is because netflix had a documentary about you know um fire festival planned and then hulu came in boom side busted and released their own version of a documentary about fire festival like a week before the other one was supposed to come on something like that so a lot of people have been talking about it i have not seen either of them but reading about this reminded me like oh let me go back and read like that was crazy i can't believe that just happened and we forgot about it that happens a lot by the way like remember that plane that just disappeared like yep. we don't even talk about that anymore. It's just like, oh yeah, that plane disappeared. Like, oh well. Like moving on, you know, government shutdown, build a wall, like whatever the con- the national conversation marches on. So I went back and read about. it. I was like, wow, this was really messed up. And I and I had a lot more empathy, I think, when I was reading this stuff for the people who were actually there because they were truly stranded. Like, you know, that's a that's a horrible situation to be in. They compared they compared it to Lord of the Flies, where like people were just like the social contract was breaking down and people were turning on each other and. You know, it's like they didn't know how they were going to get off of this abandoned island and there was like a limited amount of food and they were intense. It was raining. It was awful. Right. And I listened to someone on the radio talking about it. And they said part of the reason the story was so popular at the time is like people thought it was funny. Like they kind of enjoyed hearing about these like spoiled people you know, who had paid like whatever, $10,000 to go to a concert, like being stuck on an island. It was. And, like, I definitely laughed yeah. at it when I read it. <laughs> That's evil. <laughs> I never said okay. I was... We can unpack it. <laughs> That's true. We can talk about that later. I can... But like, I was like, first of all, I don't care, like whatever. It's like, it is messed up to get joy out of other people's misery. That's one level, right? Okay. But then the way that the guy talked about it on the radio was like, oh, people liked it because it's like, there was a schadenfreude there where like people felt really good like watching the misery of these like millennials who like thought they were going to go to this fancy concert on a beach or whatever and i was like that's so misleading to think about like this section of people like these people who are able to pay like ten thousand dollars to like fly to this island in the caribbean it's like so not reflective of the quote millennial experience but i think again that word is so loaded and troublesome that like any group of people you don't like you can just be like boom like that's you know it's like oh these millennials going to fire festival how dare they want to go to a concert and have a good time i'm glad they got screwed you know what i mean and stuck in the mud that's my very roundabout way of saying like i'm done with that word we need a new version of that word uh i don't know what it's going to be words are important we talk about this all i mean i feel like i just really hate this idea of like um i know better than you (laughs) Just like in general, like that kind of superiority of like, 
Um, I mean, I think for anyone, whenever the status quo is interrupted, there's kind of like this, um, you know, it, it can kind of, no one really likes change, like quite honestly. So if another generation is seeing it, you know, another generation do things a certain type of way or kind of disrupt the, um, the status quo of what they're accustomed to, that's uncomfortable. So yeah, you're going to be pissed. I mean, that's natural. Like if someone were to come into my life and start like, you know, changing some things or doing some new stuff, I'd be like, please get out. I would like <laughs> to, I would love to stay with my customs and be content or, you know, whatever. I mean, if anyone is really content with their life, that's, I mean, that's great. But if you actually look at the world, nothing can be content right now. Sorry. I just, I feel like I, when I hear that word, um, people talk about like millennial, it's like, yeah, but like as if you have some deeper understanding about life that I am not currently experiencing. Right. Like, yeah, I'm in this too, just as much as you are. Maybe I, like definitely, you know, I, I may not have the wealth of experiences of life that you do, which, you know, I can never say I do at this time, but that kind of arrogance, I, I really don't, I don't really enjoy of like, you know, you're all, oh, you're like this like kind of little small person who doesn't fully understand and it's like a very like parent child kind of dynamic strange yeah it's very condescending i think it's because they have like this set plan for us and the fact that we're not meeting it and we're becoming a lot more like more bold and like more okay with our choices so like before you know not having children by like 25 would be horrific and now it's like, nah, fam, we're going to wait. Not affordable. It. Yeah, I know it's not affordable. And it's like, it's also okay right. to wait till 30. Right. And I think they're just shocked by how many things they were okay with that they would, you know. But I almost wonder, it's like, do you, did you want to have kids at like 25? Like, it, were you just told that and you're just surprised that we like stray away from all these ideas. And I think that's what really irks them to their soul. Because, for example, going to see Penny and shopping, that's like tradition and you're supposed to go there and it's supposed to be like a, a family outing. And now that we buy all our clothes online without like, I don't do that, but like people who do that and it's like becoming an issue. They're just like, you can just do that without, and you're okay with returning and like all these, I guess, risks that you take by like doing most of our stuff online. It just scares them if anything, because yeah, I think I got used to like certain ways of living and we keep disrupting that, but I'm like, wait, this is like an alternative and it just makes more sense. Right. Right. Or as if like they didn't do the same thing. Yeah. Like really you did it. You also didn't change anything when you were coming up. Like (laughs) you didn't have any, like, really? Like, like, I I don't know. It's, it's like mind blowing to me that people, I mean, at this point, like, please expect change. Yeah. Cause if it's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if it's not then like that's scary actually i think that's more scary if things were to just remain (laughs) yeah it's like oh um millennials are like more compassionate or more empathetic and it's like yeah i grew up with different ethnicities and i'm not as racist you know or i don't know whatever it is it's like i'm just not i'm more understanding because i met people from all walks of life Right. Like, I'm sorry I don't hate every group out there besides my own. Right, 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 right. right. mind-boggling, and I'm like, you know, or like that, you know, we care about certain things. Um, uh, We're talking about, like, rings, for example, and I was like, oh, you know, now that I know about, like, the diamond industry, I'm like, I don't know, like, 
I don't want to feel bad. And it's like, oh, you know, like, just get one. It's just tradition. Like, why do you have to? I'm like, what? And like, I don't know. Right, right, right. About other people outside. I mean, this in a, in, in a lot of ways, right? It's like tale as old as time. Like every generation is to be grouchy about the one that came behind them. And this is like the same beef that baby boomers had with, you know, their parents. Uh, but I think in other ways, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it feels different because the the space that you occupy like in that binary is going to inform how you feel about it. Right. So for instance, like this intergenerational beef right now is like the first time. And I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago. I was like, Oh, I'm like of my experience is more in line with like the grouchy older people. Right. Mm -hmm. And this, I didn't realize that until I started to get into debates with people about music, specifically about hip hop and a lot of like old school people who are my age who love hip hop are like, Oh, golden age, you know, like New York nineties, Nas, Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I no- started to notice how like enraged they were by like new rappers, right? They were like, that's not hip hop. I don't know what they're doing. They're mumbling. They're, their pants are tight, you know? Like they were just like, like, they got pink hair. Like that's not hip hop, you know? And I listen to these guys be so angry. And initially I did agree with them because like uh, where the place I occupied, my experience is like, Oh, I actually do prefer this music. Right. But I was like, yo, 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 I'm not going to be part of this. I looked around and I was like, I'm not going to be not, not we're old people who are looking at young people and judging them for their fashion decisions and telling them what music is and what music isn't. I was like, that's a tale as old as time. Every generation, when the new music comes out, they're like, Oh no, this isn't music. Let me show you what real music is. And I was like, I can't be a part of this. I like do my best to reject binaries as much as possible, but that one snuck up on me because I, you know, you think of hip hop as something that's like, that's youth culture. It's always been youth culture. Right. But now it's like genuinely old people are like a part of that culture. So it's not, you know what I mean? And people are having to share the stage, which was a very helpful reminder for me because then I could extend it to everything else. I was like, so what if I don't like some new rappers that come out? It doesn't mean I have to have an opinion about it or like tell other people that they shouldn't listen to it. You know what I mean? Which I think is not to like be self-righteous or anything, but like maybe that's the approach to take. You know what I'm saying? Right, like radical new thought we can learn from one another (laughs) you know what I mean like it's like I I feel so that's so funny because I was thinking about um totally just oh I was thinking about marriage and so I was just in California with my girlfriend and she's like really into getting married and like I'm super totes down but I'm just like, right now is very expensive. <laughs> it's a lot of like legal stuff. Like I for sure totally, you know, definitely want to marry her, but you know, like maybe like five years from now or something when I have more like my career really set in and, and things like that. And to me, it's more of like a logistical thing. I mean, definitely like when I, you know, definitely the ceremony, sorry if I'm like offending anyone. <laughs> no, but no, no. Like for this me personally, wrong. when I think about it, I'm like, well, it's kind of expensive yeah, no, for, <laughs> for sure. my bank account. I don't really have a lot of money. Like, if we want to do a shared account, it's going to be a shared account of zero from me. You know, like, I don't, I'm like, please don't expect much. So I want to, like, really develop my career and, you know, just, yeah, like, I want to be kind of, I mean, I know I'm sure there's never going to be a point in my life where I'm, like, 1,000% solid, but at least, like, kind of there. So I think even the way that I would think about marriage now, maybe like you know, 20, 30 years ago, 
maybe for some people, I'm sure there were some people out there, like, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think it was as common as it is now. But there were people then, too, who I'm sure thought the same things we're thinking now. Yeah. Just maybe that group has expanded larger. And so for the others, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We tried to yeah. silence you. Yeah, for sure. Well, there was also a, like a so like a social structure that was set up for that kind of like traditional heteronormative, like finish college, ring by spring, like get married, you know, have a house in the suburbs, like work at a job, you know, whether if you go two generations back, it was a man working and a woman staying at home. You go one generation back, two incomes, right? But like the structure was still in place for like getting married at a young age and like supporting yourself. And now that those resources aren't available, that structure doesn't exist. You know, like I had a conversation with a friend of mine a few years ago because we were both, you know, he was a musician and a filmmaker and I'm a writer. And we were talking about how like, oh yeah, like through our twenties, we had this like, you know, we, we lived like artists, right? We're like, we don't care. We want to like make our art and just like live wherever and take risks. And we're not like trying to be tied down anywhere. But like then, like, you know, he met someone and he got married and I was thinking more seriously about my life. And we were like, okay, like, let's, let's be serious now. Let's go like get some jobs. You know what I mean? Let's like really approach this thing, um, which had been, you know, we had a strong aversion to it as self-identified artists. And then, so the conversation, I was like, yo, but there's not, I, there's nothing available to make the kind of money even to support myself. I was like, so what, what he said is a joke. He was like, so basically he's like, we're ready to sell out. We're like, all right, let's go. Let's sell out and get whatever the sellout job is, right? Like, where is it, right? Like, and it's not an option, right? Like once a person reaches that point, which I think in previous generations, specifically the last generation, the people who came up in the 60s and, you know, like said that they were going to burn it all to the ground and then eventually became the yuppies and the investment bankers of the 80s and like the Reagan era, they made a conscious decision. Like, oh yeah, it was fun to like be a hippie and like, disregard everything the generation did before us but like now i'm trying to get paid so let's go sell out right but that even that uh is not an option i I don't think that's necessarily afforded to people at the same level that it once was not that i'm saying bring back not that i'm saying bring back to sell out jobs or whatever i don't judge anybody who works in in a certain sector but like it used to be an option i don't get the sense that it is um an option for young people now anymore right Right. We're like, right, now let's go get paid. Oh, wait, there's no job. Also, if there is, it does not pay me enough. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Go back for <laughs> 10 different degrees and then be in debt. Yep. Yep. It's so frustrating. And it's like, when I was telling my mom, I was like, oh, I want to like live in the Bay because you just, I don't know. I just feel so aligned with here. I was telling her like the major cities, right? And she goes, no. What's your, what the ideal plan? Get your master's, go to the Middle East. You'll be comfy. You'll be set up because you have U.S. citizenship, those companies pay, and the Middle East, at least what we know about it, um, or like working there, she was saying that they respect the fact, you know, family time, they respect your right to like, you know, five o'clock, it's end time, like you're going to go home, and then they'll like subsidize housing, and then they'll like pay you extensively, and she was like, be smart, go back over there, make a lot, and then invest in the Bay Area, so be one of those people outside who's buying properties from you know from another country and she was like don't work here because and this is from like her immigrant experience she was like here you work and you work and you work like a dog and you'll never save and um they have like no respect for for like family or this quality of life that 
a collective culture like requires and she was like don't do it i know it's appealing but don't like this is not the right place for our values and i was like that's wild because i grew up here and i was like what the hell yeah like i really thought like like 10 20 years from now i'm gonna be living in silicon valley and it's like don't do that unless you made enough somewhere else and you know bought a property and so like this concept of like i want to buy a house i was telling my friends i was like i can't do that now i'm like maybe i can but it's got to be from money from other places it's got to be from a cushy job in the middle east yeah i mean in some ways that that kind of brings us full circle right like this conversation started with you know talking about silvano's piece like someone who grew up in the bay area who has only achieved like financial stability by moving to germany yes there you go yeah Right. Which in a lot of ways, I mean, people, there's a lot of criticism, right? Like the phrase American dream is very loaded, but like we can still say that like historically, you know, we have a lot of mythology around the idea of like someone leaving a country, coming to the United States for opportunity and like actually uh, achieving a lot. Right. That's a nice story. It's loaded. It glosses over a lot of things. Right. It's not like the silver bullet, but it's still, there's a lot of truth there. Right. And if we're seeing examples from, you know, a young man who leaves San Francisco to go to Germany because that's where he can make money, you, you know, as the daughter of an immigrant, someone who came here in order to make it, encouraging you to go back, um, you you know, that's, that's a real, that's a paradigm shift. You know, that is a real profound difference in the way that we think of ourselves and think of this country. Right. We've only been here 15 years and she already figured it out. She's like, this is not the place. You live in your culture and you work to the, they work you to the bone. And so you can't save like this economy is not set up for you to save. And I was like, and she's like, why would you be dumb <laughs> and work? And most of your dual income because the plan is eventually get married and have dual income. Yeah. And then most of it goes, because think about it, like living here and living in another country here, we're so regulated in everything. You got to pay insurance for your car, your home, maybe your life insurance. You got to pay taxes and fees. Everything has a fee. It's my, like, we're still shocked. Like we've been here almost 16 years and I'm like oh my god there's fees for everything it's absolutely insane like you want to give to like someone's GoFundMe they take a percentage and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) oh it's I don't know it's whatever it's fine I'm not gathering everybody here so that we can get down on our prospects and just feel bleak but I think it's important to have these like experience-based insights because I'm tired of reading articles by old people that are like you know what's wrong with young people you know what i mean okay the issue with that is like when we start talking about how hard it is they literally say we're whining and complaining so there's no <laughs> <way>. <laughs> that's <laughs> so true right it's like if i say like it'd be hard sometimes or it'd be like that they're like you know in my age <laughs> like i work young lady years. it does not be like that <laughs> 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 I'm just like sorry, John. Yeah. Word. All right. Well, you guys are gonna do incredible things. It's obvious. So, I mean, for what it's worth, you know what I'm saying. You, you, you guys are two of the most dynamic people I know. So, I have a lot of hope for you. Uh, and I think 
I hope that this has like lent some context to this story. We'll also be putting Silvano's story up on the site um, that'll kind of flesh this out, maybe like three different voices and experiences. But uh, let me thank both of you, Amelia and Katiba, for being here tonight. This was a wonderful conversation that really kind of like illuminated things in a way that I wasn't even uh, expecting. Katiba, wonderful to have you on for your first time. Please, please, please come on for any future show. You have an open invitation to join us here. Thanks to both of you. And thanks, as always, to our listeners. Until next time, quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.